Hello and welcome to a very special bonus edition of Changes. It's Annie here and it's so good to have you with us. So for this week, I have partnered with a brand called Oatly. Now, Oatly is one of my favorite food companies because it makes banging plant-based products like oat drinks without having to bother any animals in the process. As you can guess from the name, the products it makes are derived from oats. Our whole house drinks it. We have the barista creamy stuff in our coffee in the morning. I've been drinking it for years and I can't really see myself or imagine life without having plant-based drinks of some kind. It's definitely a normal situation for me now. I wanted to use this episode with Oatly to talk about transitions and how so many people are transitioning to plant-based eating, why that's happening now, the trends around it, the myths around it, how we can do it in a way that is easier. Oatly have launched this show called The New Norm and Owl Show, an animated show featuring two oat drink carton puppets, Norm and Owl, who like many of us are trying to navigate the switch to plant-based eating. So their kind of point of this is that it's okay like you don't have to break up with meat forever it's all right to sometimes eat cheese it's all right to sometimes have a steak it's this idea of moderation not having to feel like you have to fit in a box which is a big part of my chat with today's guest her name is Rachel Amma so Rachel's a chef She went vegan seven years ago, now has over 600,000 subscribers to her YouTube channel where she shares all kinds of delicious vegan recipes. She's got two cookbooks out, Vegan Eats, which came out in 2019. Also that year, she won the Observer Food Monthly Rising Star Award. Her second cookbook came out last year and it's called One Pot, Three Ways. Rachel also recently became a mum and we had such a great conversation. I had had a coffee, you'll hear that, but I wanted to start the conversation by kind of presenting where we're at now. So let's do that. In the last five years especially, there's been this huge surge in trends and awareness for plant-based eating. There's plant-based options for croissants, pizzas, burgers, bacon, milk, obviously, as I've just mentioned, is a huge one. According to a Mintel survey conducted in April 2021, nearly one in three Brits now drink plant-based milk. That's 32%, up from 25% in 2019. That is mostly millennials, by the way, aged between 25 and 44. Also, huge fast food restaurants, the biggest fast food restaurants, are rolling out plant-based burgers now. The idea of plant-based eating is becoming a new normal. So I started speaking to Rachel by asking her why she thinks that change is happening now. Maybe about seven years ago, I had so many interviews and people would tell me veganism is a fad and plant-based eating is a fad. And I love today with all those statistics, it clearly is not a fad. We're just so much more aware of our environment. We're so much more kind of as consumers aware of how things end up in our kitchens, on our plate. When we buy things, we're more conscious. And I think now that we have more knowledge of the mass production of meat in the last 50, 60 years, it it just got so high that it just got crazy. And learning about Mm. the process, learning about our bodies, learning about our health, I think it's become so much more normal to think consciously about, actually, I'm going to have more plant-based meals because this is great for the environment too. And they taste amazing. There's nutrients in that. It's not necessarily saying, yes, I'm a vegan, but it's just 
enjoying vegetables how they should be enjoyed and cooking them great. I love mm. that this is a more conscious, forward-thinking future. It still feels new that you would think about the food on your plate in terms of how it affects yeah. the world around you as a normal thing. You know, usually it's just what you eat, can you afford it? But the idea of the ethics yeah. of food on a mainstream level still feels relatively new. Again, why is that? Why is it now that it's just become so normal to think about where your food comes from, whether it's sustainable and how it's impacting the world? I think we was back in the day, or as my grandma would say, she grew up in a farm in Wales and they would grow their vegetables Mm. and you had what you had access to, which was homegrown. So you're much more connected with your food. It's only in in modern times, in modern ages, that food has been shown to us to make it more easy and accessible. So it's this the microwave meals and it's getting food quickly and things are subsidised and it's in your face. Here's how to live quicker, just buy the whole thing in the supermarket. And we've become so much more disconnected from where our food comes from and how to grow our own food. Mm. And I think now it went so far that way that people are kind of finding their roots back into what is seasonal, what can we grow here, what can we eat, and actually getting that pure food, the pure plants, the vegetables, nutritious ones, is the best way to enjoy food. So it's about connectivity. It's about feeling close to your food. I'm so curious as to how we will look back at this period of how animals were and still are being used for food in my head, there's just going to be this beautiful utopia where that just doesn't happen anymore. And yes, everything will be in moderation. There will still be animals killed for meat, but it will be done in a more ethical way. I wonder how we will look back at factory farming in the future, in a hundred years time. Will we look back at this as this kind of fucking horror show? You know, I'm fascinated by that. I think so. So I I had a baby last year and a lot of people ask me if I'm raising him plant-based or not. I am like going to give him plant-based meals and I say to people I genuinely think by the time he is in his 30s because time moves so quickly now I feel like he'll be looking at at my generation thinking what were you guys right right yeah (laughs) that's insane Mm. like just absolute shock because I was so blindfolded to the whole thing I'm like a London girl I didn't visit farms often I I was very disconnected from where my food came from and I just saw like the happy chicken the happy cow right. and like the milk cartons and the chicken shop the chickens laughing mm. you know I'm, I'm so complete disconnect uh, and I just don't think for the younger generation that disconnect is going to be so there I think they're just going to be a lot more aware and conscious yeah. and that is the change yeah. I hope so. I was brought up as a vegetarian by, well, from from when I was about three. Um, And then when I left home around the age of 18, I went the opposite way. I was like, show me the burgers, show me the bacon. (laughs) I've never been allowed to have this stuff at home. This is my time. I I kind of enjoyed meat and I really like salty stuff. So it really worked for for what I like in terms of flavor. And then it wasn't until my 30s that I then went back to it in a big way. Tell us a little bit more about your relationship to food as a kid. Like, what are your memories of food as a kid? Um, as a kid, I, I definitely think I took food a little bit for granted now that I'm older. I grew up in London, yeah. in North London. So my dad's side of the family is Caribbean, St. Lucian. And my mum's mixed race. Her her mum is from Wales and her dad is from Sierra wow. Leone. So I had that mix of having Caribbean food and my Caribbean grandma's house. I had very British food. I was like a Tama Salata addict, which was 
such a random thing for a little girl to be like, yeah, give me my Thomas Lara and bit of bread. <laughs> and then um, I was a simple eater, Nutella pancakes and chips. Those were my like vices. And then as I got older, I just, you know, I went to uni and I started making uni meals. And then I found out that I was lactose intolerant through a long trial and error of um I had all these as a teenager all these health problems and there was no identification of as what was going on and when I'd go to the hospital and doctors and do investigations there was never a question on what are you eating not not yeah. once I went to specialists everything and my mum's always been very interested in nutrition and how what you eat affects the body and after a couple of months of kind of just watching me, she went, I think you're lactose intolerant. And I was like, no, <laughs> I love my cheese yeah. toasties. I want my hot chocolates. Yeah. And this was over 10 years ago. And so that's when I cut out dairy uh, for the first time. And that was like, there was like barely any alternatives at that right. point. And that was hard. And then I went traveling around South America and then I road tripped the States being lactose intolerant. You were still eating meat though at this point, right? Yeah, still eating meat and yeah. fish. I'd been in all these countries. Like I was in Colombia, I was in Argentina. Argentina is actually the first place I actually had beef. I'd never eaten wow. beef before. It was always kind of yeah. chicken and lamb and stuff. I just had all this wealth of food. I was in New Orleans. Oh. I was in San Francisco. There was just so much variety. And uh, I came back from that trip. We went for six months. And from then, I was just hooked on food. And then it, not long after that, I um, found out about factory farming and went vegan and just carried that love in all my vegan cooking. I mean, that change to become vegan. Tell me a bit more about that. Like, how was it going the full way? Yeah. Well, I remember a few years before that, maybe two years, I'd met my first vegan. That's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> well, it's not <laughs> it because it was rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, we was in a Caribbean restaurant and all he could order was broccoli. And I remember just being really confused. I just didn't, I had no idea about veganism. I didn't know why people went vegan. I didn't, it just, it was just so far from what I knew and what I'd been around. And then come back from going traveling and everything, I was on a date and a guy was like, oh yeah, I watch Netflix documentaries. I was like, yeah, me too, I love them. And he said, oh, there's this cool one um, called What the Health, you should check it out. I was like, yeah, sure, like yeah. I'll check it out watched it and it blew my I just I had no idea that that's how my chicken ended up on my plate yeah. and I, I watched more and more and then the next day I just decided to go vegan because for me it just felt like that's what I wanted to do and that was that was that so how did people react around you how did your mommy react how did your friends react what what, what were the initial gut reactions to that decision my mum was excited. She she was like, oh, yeah, go Rach. <laughs> she said that she wanted to raise me vegetarian when we were kids, but she was frowned upon for wow. it, so she, she never mm. did it. So for her to watch me, just from eating chicken every day, to suddenly decide, actually, I don't want to eat meat, she was genuinely really excited, and she still ate meat and fish, so... I think she was excited to see me take on that journey, yeah. which has in turn helped her journey. And then I also, on top of that, I had loads of friends like who'd worked with me before and seen how I ate chicken be like, what? And what <laughs> you? As in how okay. much you liked chicken, as in they were like, I can't, I get yeah. you, right? Then I got taken the mick out of like constantly because it, like you of all people, yeah. like, no, 
I was like, what are you going to eat? Celery. Okay, Rachel. <laughs> and um, I'm very headstrong. And when I make a decision, I make a decision. So it was just so permanent for me that, yeah, this is the route I'm taking. And actually, it's great for a numerous amount of reasons. And I'm going to make it so tasty and buff that I don't want to hear anyone chatting rubbish to me <laughs> about vegan food being bland like come in my kitchen smell my kitchen and yeah you'll be shushing you'll be chomping my food and enjoying it and that was my mission when you went vegan did you set out to learn how to cook for yourself as a result of not being provided for or was it something you wanted to do anyway it was that love of food that I've just kind of awoken in me and being more conscious about the food I eat and just merging them together and just at that time you couldn't find buff vegan food when was this when was this I want to get a kind of time frame in my head about seven or eight years ago okay so what is this yeah so 2015 or something 2014 2015 yeah right yeah and so nothing that we take for granted now None of that stuff was on the street, was it? Yeah. None of it. Because I was in London, I had more than if you lived out of London in the UK or in a major city, but it was hard. And I love Caribbean food. I love, I love spices. I love herbs. Like I want my food to taste good. And I just didn't see Mm. that at the time. Mm. And that's when it went from me exploring to myself to actually, I really want to share this with people because... I really do think we need to stop eating so many animals. I really think it's good for the environment. And I really do think you feel better when you are eating vegetables. So I want my friends to see this. And that's when I started sharing recipes. So did you have a preconceived notion of what a vegan was? Was there a stereotype for you at the start that you were like, oh God, this is what, you know, I only know like certain types of people that are vegans. I knew the idea, like, again, I didn't actually know many people who were vegan. I learned the word vegan not long before I went vegan. But there wasn't anyone I saw that looked like me Mm. or friends I grew up with. or So if there was a stereotype, it was an airy fairy person probably. Yeah in their own world yeah you think you think you, you know you think kind of hippie or like hipster I don't know I mean it's it's also generic but yeah I think there was a kind of stereotype wasn't there at the start of what a vegan yeah. is Can you expand a little bit on what you felt before you figured out that you were lactose intolerant? I'd get really bad tummy aches, really painful, that I would just have to sit in bed or I'd be out with my friends and I'd just have to come home. I started getting cysts in in random places. I just didn't feel good. I felt like I had pains in my ovary area. Uh, which I think was just the inflammation of it. All my gut and everything was just so out of whack and my body couldn't handle it. And it was telling me messages. It was trying to show me. And luckily my mum, who I'm so grateful for, just told me to try it. As much as I wanted to hold on to milk and cheese and the idea of lactose intolerance at that time still wasn't really a thing or I just cut it out, process of elimination. And it changed the whole trajectory of my health. I felt like a whole new Mm. person, like, and to witness and to experience how what I ate changed how I felt. So when I went vegan, it was, 
I, I already kind of knew how a diet can affect your own health. So I just felt even better. I felt lighter when I stopped eating meat and I'd have a, a vegan meal, plant-based meal. I felt full, but I didn't feel sluggish. You just, I felt lighter, I felt freer and I just felt good. And I knew from that, that my body likes this and I'm gonna keep taking it where it needs to go because I, I feel good as a person. So eating meat, like if you have a big steak, it takes a lot of work for your body to, to break yeah. that down, right? And digest it. And when you talk about feeling lighter, I've been there and, and I've noticed it myself. It feels right, you have more energy. It's not like a extreme, but there's a, a lovely shift. Yes. Yeah. 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 Also, I wanted to ask you just in terms of this idea of the Western world finally catching up with veganism, yeah. when actually globally, there's so many cultures that already embrace yeah. that from, you know, Ital food in um, the Caribbean yeah. to India with its hundreds, hundreds of millions of vegetarians and Eritrea and Ethiopia. There's like a lot of cultures that already are like embracing vegetarian and sometimes vegan diets. Um, but in terms of the Western world and since veganism has become a big thing, I've seen trends within the vegan food that you see in the shops. So like jackfruit, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The old classic jackfruit taco or whatever. Yeah. I, I was wondering about yeah. your opinions of that and also what you foresee in terms of like how vegan food is evolving. I think that... It, it became this exciting talking point to make pulled pork from jackfruit. <laughs> you uh, so, you sound Western... so jaded. You're like, not again, jackfruit. <laughs> <laughs> jackfruit is a, is great. Like it just, if you get ripe jackfruit in the Caribbean or in Asia or, or where it grows, the, its home countries, it is, oh, it's like mango meets passion fruit. Just sweet yeah. buffness. Yeah. And then if you have it fresh again, but it's not right, you can put it in savory meals as people have been doing for a very mm. long time. It tastes incredible, but you know, you you get it in Tintin, it, it doesn't taste as great because it's not as fresh. Um, and I just think it was an exciting talking point. However, uh, the West, I think the going forward, we're gonna learn cooking more seasonally. We're gonna mm. learn, so for, for for an example, because I think vegetables are amazing, I think for years there's been such a focus on how we can cook duck in all these different ways, how we can cook uh, chicken in all these different ways, but there was never an emphasis on different ways you could cook a carrot. It was kind of just boil it, maybe put some salt right. in it. Whereas actually there was a lot of different ways you can cook a carrot. There's a lot of different ways you can season a carrot to give different textures and flavours. Aubergines are blooming incredible um you could you can grill them and they're like chewy you could smoke them and then take the insides out and mix it in a really tasty sauce and you've just got this thick mouthful of flavor from an aubergine yeah. there's, there's it's just like we're gonna look more at the vegetables that we have and how to season them make them tasty how we can cook with them i heard about this restaurant that this key focus was to have like a vegetable of the day and give you a whole meal on that vegetable. So you cook it in different ways, different Love textures, that. different flavors, but it's one vegetable. And I think 
that is how we're looking at food going forward, how we can get things seasonally, locally sourced. It's in tune with our circadian rhythms. It's it's natural to us. Mm. It's in season with the temperatures, how our body feels, what our body needs. And I think as we're getting more connected, that is the future of cooking going forward. Can I talk about the kind of food systems, like in terms of the systems in place to keep the food on our plates in our country? If the shifts in our eating habits are going this fast, which they seem to be in the last five years anyway, with people leaning towards plant-based food and drink, can the industry keep up with it, if you know what I mean? Do we have the systems in place to make that work? Do we have enough room to grow the vegetables, you know? (laughs) There's this amazing uh, YouTube series by Jack Harries, and he explored all the incredible people and scientists that are growing vegetables, um underground in London and how we're using science now to actually be able to grow and and feed ourselves so I do think we can if we we make it a priority Mm. I think that food systems have worked in a very specific way with choices of where we subsidize and how we teach food education that it has worked in this way that has actually cost the environment and now we need to change. And I think one of the best ways that will change is through the people. And that's how veganism became not a fad because a lot of people became more conscious and wanted to eat more Mm. plants. And that demand showed the change. It meant that in the supermarkets now, there's a whole aisle of plant-based foods, whereas that wasn't there just five years ago. So I think it has to for the planet. And I think we will have to make it happen. yeah it's kind of being it's being enterprising <laughs> isn't it and like I remember when I became a vegan which was about I don't know five or six years ago like I found a lot of people they were quite defensive when you said it not that I ever said it like unsolicited you know it would, it would come yeah. up and then you'd say oh yeah well I don't eat I'm vegan or whatever and people would be like oh well well what about this and well I, I couldn't do that because of this and you'll know this very well I'm sure there's a defensiveness <laughs> like a natural kind of spikiness sometimes and I encountered the same argument a few times which was what about the industries that are in place what about the butchers what about the farmers what about the dairy farmers all these industries that have loads of jobs and loads of people depending on them working like what will happen to them yeah which again you know you can really empathize with someone who's been a dairy farmer all their life what happens next for them what can they do and and I know you don't have all the answers here and it's not your job to have the answers (laughs) but I'm just curious that you know to see what you would say about that I mean, I think, like, it is hard. There's different privileges, there's different educations, there are different hands ticking in this machine or right. food system. But we have to change it. We have to diversify and we have to listen to our planet and our environment, mm. listen to the the science and make room for change. So Yes! <laughs> like, like, just do a claxon, like... What about the idea of like meat and two veg? Um, There's another thing I'm really interested in is the kind of perceptions (laughs) of meat eaters and how I'm a man, thus I eat meat. Give me my meat and two veg. It's this kind of very weird thing where like 
eating meat makes you into some sort of person and gives you protein and makes you strong. What would you say to those yeah, people? Yeah, because who created that? <laughs> <laughs> the meat industry created the right. advertisement, so we think that way. Right. So, of course, it's just conditioning. It's what we see, it's what we were sold, it's what we yeah. were taught. It's like once upon a time, it was sold that smoking was exactly. a good thing to exactly. do. And all of a sudden, actually, it's quite poisonous to the body. A couple years later, when it's already impacted everyone's lives, um, yeah. marketing and the media and, and, and money are, are loud voices in what we, we as consumers are directed to buy into. So unfortunately, that is a big narrative that to be a strong man, you have to sit there and barbecue your steak and feed it to your family. But I promise you, I know plenty of men who have decided not to buy into that and are feeling incredible and amazing. <laughs> so. But as a vegan chef, how do you feel about meat replacements in plant-based food? You know, you've got your Beyond Meat burgers and your sausages and all these, you know, like yeah. terrifyingly similar in texture, in the way they fry yeah. in the pan, in the way the burgers bleed, like all of that. Yeah, How do you yeah. feel about that from your perspective? Uh, again, I think there was like an excitement for it um, in in the, the Western new wave of veganism. Oh my God, I can have a burger and it's not made out of meat, but it looks like a meat burger and it tastes kind of like a meat burger. There's, there's a fun and there's an excitement, but I don't think that is sustainable or best for our bodies or... <laughs> the future strictly I think everything in moderation I think as well just naturally staying away from processed foods is is the the better way to feed the body again in moderation there's an excitement but I think it's not the be or end or I love vegetables You talk about moderation and that's something that I've had to learn over time in terms of how I ate I actually became vegan when I was pregnant and uh, it was in the middle of being pregnant and it was a plate of donuts put in my dressing room as a rider that broke me because I was really stressed and I was hosting the Red Bull culture clash and it was like testosterone everywhere and I was like oh god I'm pregnant and I'm so nervous and normally in that case I might have had a drink or something you know or and uh, and I couldn't so I just I just I didn't even eat a donut I ingested it I just went and it was gone and I was like oh god and then and then it was like well I've eaten a donut so I'm gonna have a bit of butter on my toast and I'm gonna have that packet of crisps and it's kind of like in the similar way that smoking insidiously kind of creeps up on you if you give up and start again it was like that it was after a few weeks I was back not being vegan anymore and I was like fuck you know I really wanted to do this so I kind of went back and forth lots of times and now I've reached a place where I'm I guess what you call technically a flexitarian in that I know it's kind of being in tune with my body and what it needs so very rarely I'll eat some fish I sometimes I eat like butter salted butter but everything else is plant-based and it's like these few exceptions here and there and that works for me. And it's been quite liberating, yeah. actually, not feeling like I have to categorize everything. It's yeah. so much easier and rewarding just being in tune with what I want and kind of trying to balance everything, what I want ethically as and what I need physically. Um, it's just been a lovely thing. So how do you feel about that idea of eating, you know, the flexitarianism? I often say to people when people ask me how to go vegan and things like that, I, I say to people, don't focus on being the perfect sure. vegan just take that out it i think for a lot of people it becomes a diet of restriction and 
that to me is not how to look at making an ethical conscious choice to eat more plants it should be enjoyable Mm. it it should be fun it should be tasty it should make you feel good and yeah the labels to me I'm not really I've never really cared Mm. for labeling people it's so I just think enjoy the food and do what feels good for your body make those conscious ethical decisions where you can and and feel excited about the change you're making and I think a lot a lot of people in COVID again reading up um before I spoke to you a lot of people in the last couple of years having all this time to sit at home and think not going out for dinner you know not maybe having as much money as they normally would it's become um the time to really experiment and try stuff out and try different types of cooking and realizing that actually cooking meat takes longer a lot of the time than actually cooking vegetables it's long And it costs more, exactly. So in terms of convenience (laughs) and like cash flow, being vegetarian or vegan is is cheaper and quicker in general. It is. What would you say to that someone going, well, I can't afford to be vegan? Well, again, it's why the meat alternatives aren't necessarily the best option. They are they are expensive. But vegetables, if you go into a shop and you see the prices of your carrots, of your courgettes, of your mushrooms, if you see the the garlic, the ginger, if you've got cans or, or you're buying raw chickpeas, they are pennies compared to the meat. Once you learn how to cook with them, and that's the adjustment in, in my opinion, it's kind of relearning how to cook. I had to relearn yeah, how me to too. cook. I had the meat, yeah. veg and carb. Yeah. That's kind of why I wrote my most recent book, because I wanted to swap that meat idea that we're used to seeing on the plate and make that a really big, hearty, vegan stew or mm. curry or roast or that flavourable substitute that we're used to having as meat, but actually make something that's vegan and then add your little veg or add your carb in delicious whole food ways Mm. because you do relearn how to cook and how to feed yourself and the proteins you get in the legumes and your cannellini bees your chickpeas your lentils all of them they're just so rich and delicious and incorporating those into your meals are are cheap they're affordable and you can make like hummus you can make paste you can make curries you can make so there's just so Mm. there's such a wealth of recipes out there now uh to really explore these foods that aren't expensive if you have a aubergine and you've never had an aubergine before you can go online and go what to do with an aubergine <laughs> you can buy a whole book i think ottolini has a book on well, aubergines i'm not sure but <laughs> they're good in a stew an aubergine aren't they i like an aubergine in a stew rachel before i let you go how do you see things changing then from here in terms of people's approach to plant-based eating and how would you like to see it change? I think as it's going it's that we are getting more connected to our food and we are learning how nutritious and delicious vegetables are and how to incorporate them, how to feed our families of really good quality locally sourced ingredients and how to season and I think uh, food is life's one of one of life's biggest gifts, it's uh, a privilege to be able just to sit down with your friends or by yourself and enjoy a really delicious plate of food that you've made yourself. There's like a, a feel good factor into being able to go in your kitchen, 
put on your tunes. For me, it's my Caribbean food. That's my happy place. When the kitchen is smelling like all spice or curry spices, when I can smell plantain frying, I've got roti, I've got good food, and I've got my tunes in the back. Either I'm by myself, I'm with my friends. It's such an amazing feel-good moment. It's almost like a life survival skill. And on top of it, it brings you closer to your heritage. I've found a lot of my roots in how I cook. I've connected to my my grandma who's not here today. And food, food memories, food experiences, flavors, music, it's all the senses. And that's what I love. Mm. And that's why I love sharing. And I, I see mm. that as a future of food. Um, what would you do if your child turned around at 18 and was like, mom, I want to eat meat now? <laughs> Because my kid is eight and has already said oh, that. Okay. <laughs> it's like, mom, I want I want me a meat eater. Yeah, I mean, I've already in my head said he's. I I was at the chicken shop after school every day, and I, in my head, yeah. I'm like, there's gonna be a phase where he's gonna want to explore, and if he wants to explore, you gotta let him explore. But he ultimately will know who makes the best food, and that's his mom, and that's all gonna <laughs> be vegan <laughs> plant based. <laughs> so he's gonna come back around. <laughs> It's so true. I mean, that's what I did. I literally came back around. I went off and experimented with bacon for 10 years and yeah. then just came back to it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, listen, Rachel, it's such a pleasure to have this time with you. Thank you so much for listening to me rant at you and um, sharing your expertise with us as well. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been <laughs> such a nice chat. Thank you, Addy. Thank you so much to Rachel and our sponsors Oatly for this conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Rachel. It was great to learn more about our food systems, about the shift in mentality in the Western world, and also just to remember that we don't have to be boxed into a label. Do what you feel, babes. That is the main takeaway here. And if you need inspiration, if you want to look into it and deeper anymore, then go to Oatly.com. That's where you can watch the new Norman Al show. Um, it's streaming on there. And if you're inspired, go and get Rachel's books. Um, I have the Vegan Eats one. I love it. Going to buy her new one as well, One Pot Three Ways. Um, we put the link to that in the show notes and you can also follow her YouTube channel. Just search Rachel Ama. that's spelled A-M-A. Thank you so much for listening. Changes is produced by Louise Mason. See you next time.